Does manual treasury management and operations have your crypto business stuck in the slow lane? Scale up and speed ahead with Fireblocks, the number one platform for crypto operations and trading pros that makes custody, settlement, and rebalancing quick and easy. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime, an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all of their crypto assets in one place. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust, Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And joining us today on the other side of the mic is my guest, Justin Ballard, CEO and founder at J Energy, not high, like the beer, Correct. High Lie. If you're a native of Tampa or the Tampa Bay area, you'll know High Lie. And maybe if you're from Wyoming, you'll know a bit about the company that we're speaking with today. They are building out a mining presence out there. Justin, you hail from Texas, though. I do. That's another big mining epicenter. Walk us through before we dig into a few things. Maybe we'll even get to the degree to which this uncertainty in the world is mm -hmm. impacting the mining space. But before we dive deeper into a wide range of topics, let's walk the audience through exactly what you guys are doing. Yeah, no problem. Um, like you said, we are J Energy. We we are the uh, largest Bitcoin miner in Wyoming now. We're making up uh, close to 30% of the hash rate of the entire state. So we, uh, we've grown a lot over the last year and uh, we're looking to continue to grow and we're going to be expanding into Texas here soon. We've got 140 megawatts of capacity at substations uh, under contract. And we're going to be building out 120 of that for sure this year. So um, a lot of things going on and we're growing real fast. But uh, just to give you a little background on, on our company and where we came from, uh, myself and my uh, co-founder and business partner, Ryan Leachman, were partners at a oil and gas company. We both come from the oil and gas space. Ryan is a petroleum engineer by background. I'm an attorney by background. And uh, we worked together at the last company we worked together at was Century Oil and Gas. And uh, we were operating up in the Powder River Basin in Wyoming. And we were running up against a flare allowance that we had. Um, we, we were getting to the point where they were going to basically shut the well in if we didn't have something to do with the gas that was coming out of that well. And 
we were producing that well for the oil, but the associated gas was exceeding the level of flare that the state allowed. And so uh, we really didn't have another option. And and uh, Ryan and I just decided that putting a Bitcoin mine on it was the best option we could could do in the time frame that we were allowed. And so we got it on there. And after a period of time, we both kind of looked at it and just said, man, this is a uh, this is an interesting deal. Oil had went to zero in April of 2020. And, uh, you know, you're kind of looking around like what, not sure what's going to happen. And uh, we were all in all federal acreage. And so there was a lot of concern about uh, an administration change and what that was going to mean for the oil and gas world and and how that was going to impact us. And so uh, we started exploring this area and ended up getting a funding commitment in late 2020, early 2021. And uh, signed all that and got it done and then got started J Energy. And we've just kind of been off to the races since then. And so, it, yeah, we, we've tried to focus on working with oil and gas companies to show them how uh, they have abundance of energy within their portfolio that they could allocate a small portion of it to Bitcoin mining. And, and so that's what we're doing, just trying to educate uh, those folks to what what they have at their disposal and, and how it works and really try to get them into the market. It's a pretty interesting story because it provides a micro example of something that's happening at a much broader macro level. The convergence between the Bitcoin mining industry here in the United States and the oil and gas industry. What is the potential for mining with natural gas? I mean, there's a load of gas out there and you don't necessarily know what to do with it. How do those conversations start? Do you mm -hmm. come to them? You give them the pitch that you just sort of outlined here. How are these two groups converging? converging? Yeah, um, that's a good question. And it's funny because almost every single group that ends up calling us, um, which is typically what's happening is they're calling us at this point. And, um, but every single one of them that calls us, they typically are calling us about a flare gas situation. And so when people think oil and gas and Bitcoin mining, that is really the only area that they're thinking about. Um, what we've been doing is that is a product that we offer, right? And I think it's a wonderful product. And I think that it's a way that uh, the oil and gas industry and Bitcoin mining can work together to kind of, you know, uh, go against the rhetoric that both of them deal with a lot, which is, you know, you're using too much energy and you're using fossil fuels. And so you guys are kind of the bad guy. Um, and I think this is a, the flare mitigation that Bitcoin mining provides is a wonderful way to combat that narrative. Um, it is not, however, the only aspect to where I think oil and gas converges with Bitcoin mining. And so once we usually get them calling about that, we also kind of dive into the other opportunities that are typically sitting within their portfolio that they don't even realize. And those are excess energy from a variety of sources, compression plants uh, or compression sites, uh, gas plants, um, drilling rigs. There's a variety of areas where uh, oil and gas companies have megawatts of excess capacity that they've sunk capital into building out, but they're not utilizing on a daily basis. And we've had some success showing them those areas and where it's like, look, you can go build a very nice Bitcoin mine on this facility that you've already spent millions of dollars on that you're not, you're only utilizing 30% of its capacity. And so why not monetize this and return some of that capital early on 
and uh, do it with something that provides you a little bit of a hedge against downward moving gas prices and things like that. Um, right now, gas prices are better than they've been really since I got into the oil and gas industry back in 2009. I mean, they, they've been higher at times, but we're in the, a much better market than what we've been in for a long time. And so um, people can get spoiled, but uh, Bitcoiners are, you know, obviously used to the volatility. The only people that are probably used to it more than them are oil and gas folks. And so uh, they realize well, Bitcoin that, has never gone to a negative price. Ever, right. So. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, Bitcoiners have never had if you've held Bitcoin for five years, you've never lost money ever. And so um, that's different in oil and gas. It's a constant up and down. And so uh, they're used to it and they, they make sure they're preparing for the future and not getting you know greedy in the, the good times. Some of them do inevitably, but uh, the ones that stick around, they realize that, look, we need to also look for other opportunities to diversify our revenue streams. And they usually have a very asymmetrical risk profile where they can come in and say, look, we'll allocate five to 10 percent of our gas reserves to Bitcoin mining so that, you know, when prices do go down on the natural gas side, which is a byproduct of high prices is low prices because there's going to be more drilling and you're going to drive prices down. And so, uh, yeah, they, they realize that. And I think we're about to go, enter a time where you're going to see a lot more of these companies taking that jump and making that plunge into allocating some capital towards Bitcoin mining, not just for flare gas, but for taking advantage of some of the spare capacity that they have throughout their, their portfolios. So what does it look like without their participation for mm. the mining ecosystem? That's, that's, I think the mining ecosystem is going to be fine, regardless of whether you get into it. Um, over time, anyway, uh, I think they speed it up quite a bit. And um, but at the same time, you're going to have to be competitive on your cost side of things. And with a lot of the stuff we have coming on in West Texas, um, that's as competitive as you're going to get really anywhere in North America. And so uh, even with gas prices being lower, you still got to factor in gin sets or turbines and things like that that kind of put your cost higher than what like our asset we're going to have in, in West Texas. You know, we're talking about a 1.9 cents a kilowatt hour average over a 10 year period. That's extremely low and it's hard to beat. And so um, even within the oil and gas world, you know, if you can stay below four cents, four and a half cents a kilowatt hour, you're, you're going to be very competitive for a long time, but you're still not going to beat that, that West Texas on grid substation power. And you got to add a little bit of complexity in the runtime and things like that. There's a lot more that goes into setting up an off-grid site than there is on-grid. And so um, there's always there's always going to be that advantage for the on-grid situation versus the off-grid natural gas mining. But um, but I, I think there's a spot for it. And I actually think you're going to see a lot of oil and gas service companies recognize the value of having the flare mitigation service as part of their uh, package to offer to operators, to oil and gas operators. And uh, they're not going to want to let that market share go to, uh, you know, small mitigation groups like us that can, that they could scoop up pretty cheap and then start offering this product within their own, own package of services. And so I do think you're going to see some of that kind of consolidation 
coming soon. Obviously, this probably will elicit from certain segments of the market negative thoughts about the environmental impact of Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. right? This sounds like we're just making it less green by bringing into the fold the oil and gas industry. What would your retort be to those types of voices? My retort to that would be that, and look, some of them, you're never going to please some of the people that come from that side, right? Uh, There is a uh, there is some on that side of things that look at any fossil fuel consumption or even any energy consumption from the Bitcoin mining world is a negative because they assume that that power is being taken from residential commercial use and therefore is going to have to be replaced, which is going to have to be replaced by either more fossil fuels or more solar panels or more wind turbines, which whether they want to admit it or not, require hydrocarbons to produce in the first place. But um, so you're not going to please all of them. But I would say uh, to the ones that are concerned about that, um, Bitcoin mining is providing a service for people around the world to protect their own monetary value. And I think that if we're going to look at the environmental impact from a global aspect, you need to also look at it, the social value from a global aspect. And you can't just you can't just look at it and say energy consumption is bad because it's Bitcoin mining. Bitcoin mining, if you look at what Bitcoin is being used for in Turkey, Venezuela, numerous other countries, Iran, countries that are suffering through some serious hyperinflation right now, um, is protecting the financial livelihood for many, many people around the globe. And it's easy for us here to ignore the fact that, you know, $10 trillion have been printed over the last, what, two and a half, three years and new dollars. And that typically is at least staying in our own economy. It still drives inflation, but it's still staying in our own economy. Other countries that rely on our dollar or get impacted by our economic decisions don't get the benefit of those dollars going into their economy, but they do suffer through the inflation of it. And so, Energy consumption from Bitcoin, yes, there's a lot of energy consumption from it, but there's other areas that are much lower hanging fruit that don't have the social utility value that Bitcoin does. And so supporting a network that is supporting the livelihoods of the disenfranchised or the, the, the uh, more you know, negatively impacted populations around the world is more important to me than you know, clothes dryers or Christmas lights things that are, that are using a, a, an abundance of energy that don't pro- really provide a whole lot of social value. And, um, but I also think that there is, there is a level of, <laughs> and I might get in trouble for some of this, but there's a level of hypocrisy from that side as well. Um, the solar panels and things like that, when you look at the amount of area that it takes to build out a solar field that will power homes and things like that, you're having a major environmental impact on the surface of the earth. I can drill one well in the Haynesville, say in Louisiana, that will do over 30 million MCF a day when it comes online. What we're using at our site in Wyoming is 1 million a day, okay? And we're doing six and a half megawatts. We could power 5,000 homes at our site. And if I'd go and do the same thing down in El Salvador or some other country, 
the inter- the power you can provide for people down there is you know seventy five hundred to eight thousand homes. So it's a it it is a way to build out the grid that is actually going to encourage more renewable development through the revenue generation and grid expansion because you can now take money from Bitcoin mining and use it to pay for these projects that typically would not be built until there's residential and commercial uh, development out in those areas. And so I I think that having more companies get into this is nothing but good. Um, Oil and gas companies, whether anybody wants to admit it, they drive innovation. They're some of the smartest people uh, that I've ever worked with are, are people that are from the oil and gas space. And if you look at a lot of the big companies around the world that are in the oil and gas space, they are pouring significant amounts of capital into building out renewable projects and and looking for more ways to uh, diversify their revenue streams through renewable sources. And so the the problems will typically take care of themselves. And and these these companies are realizing that. And so I don't think punishing them for uh, getting into a space like Bitcoin, where you do have some serious social value um, that it provides, I, I don't think is a negative, even if they're using some fossil fuels to do that, because it's going to drive further innovation and they're good, continue to invest in renewable projects. That was a long answer, but... I think it stems from just this idea of what do we think is important, right? Right. I think the energy footprint of electronic devices being always on in the United States is about 12 times that of the Bitcoin network. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. So it's kind of like, which one, what do we want? You know, what is important? What are we going to value? And as a result, put energy into or decide that the energy is worth that. There are so many oil and gas mining companies popping up how many of them actually know what they're doing? <laughs> there, I know some good guys here in Houston and, and Canada that, and, and Colorado. They, they know what they're doing, um, but there are there are some LARPers out there, as a good friend of mine, Mario Gutierrez, likes to uh, to call them. And you know, you do need to be careful. And I think. Uh, that's a very good point. I've talked to some people around here uh, that that have put together some really good meetups. Like Parker Lewis has put together a great one in Houston. And um, but that's something we've talked about a lot is that you need to make sure the people that you're giving a voice to and getting up on panels to talk about and things like that are actually doing what they're talking about because there there are a lot of folks out there that are claiming to you know hey we're going to be off grid mining this and that this and that. And they're getting up to talk in front of the kind of institutional type investors that we want to see get into this space, space with which are, you know, executives at oil and gas companies, high level private equity groups, things like that. Well, when they hear these people talking and then they start digging into it and they find out this group has never mined at all, or maybe they're mining a 350 kilowatt site off of flare gas, like that's that's not enough experience to really come in with an opinion and talk about. Uh, these things on a large scale. And I think it gives a little, it does a disservice to uh, the groups like us that are trying to, you know, get out and really educate and show our site and like, Hey, look, this is what we've done. This is what you could do. And, and give them a perspective from coming from the oil and gas space and getting into the Bitcoin mining space and showing them that these industries are 
they're very, very closely related from the concept of, from like a business model standpoint. In yeah. oil and gas, you want to be the lowest cost operator to produce a barrel. And in Bitcoin, you want to be the lowest cost operator to produce a Bitcoin. They're, they're almost identical to, to each other as far as, all right, this is what my goal should be. And this is how I need to continue. In terms to of the economics, in right. terms of the economics, they're very similar. Right. It's fascinating. So even if we double click on your firm, right? Mm-hmm. How much of the business comes from helping or rather luring in oil and gas companies? Mm-hmm. And then how much comes from just the mining itself? Because you offer these products, right? Not just right. not just flaring, but other products to these companies. And mm-hmm. then you're also mining, right? Right. So right now we've got three other groups just at our site. So I, I would say it's about f- not 50-50. It's probably 60-40 right now because um, we've had some large investments at our location um, in Wyoming alone where we're uh, basically hosting some folks. So, um, But also oil and gas companies that were like, look, well, could we put something at your site? It's like, yeah, yeah, we can. So um, I would say it's about 60-40 our self-mining to, uh, you know, working on others' uh, capital and doing projects for them. But uh, there's a lot of people sniffing around, right? And there's a lot that want to get into it, but they just haven't made the plunge or the jump yet. And so I think you're going to see that proportion probably um, from our our self-mining operations uh, to their, you know, their mining operations or, or us hosting someone, I think it's going to grow on the hosting side more, um, than, than even the self-mining side. But I, you know, we want to continue to grow our site from a self-mining standpoint as well. And, and actually I say that, but we're going to build out this 120 megawatts down in West Texas. So that's, that's good. That's going to be the bulk of our stuff, but for our, our natural gas stuff, um, yeah, it's it's about 60-40 right now. But like I said, our site in West Texas is going to be on grid, and that's going to be uh, – we have six substations right now with 140 megawatts combined between them. That will all be on grid, and we're going to do – hopefully get 120 of it built out this year and, uh, and, and possibly even the other 20 as well. But for sure, we're going to be knocking out that, that 120. So at that point, we'll be primarily – Not primarily, but we'll be heavily invested in Texas as well. Having trouble keeping pace with the crypto boom? When your business is scaling up and your portfolio is growing, you don't want to waste precious time on manual treasury management or settling in rebalancing. Fireblocks can handle that for you with smart, scalable solutions for your crypto business, along with industry-leading security and expertise. They'll take care of the back end so you can focus on the big picture. Visit fireblocks.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Coinbase Prime. 
an integrated solution that provides institutional investors with an advanced trading platform, secure custody, and prime services to manage all their crypto assets in one place. Coinbase Prime fully integrates crypto trading and custody on a single platform and gives clients the best all-in pricing in their network using their proprietary smart order router and algorithmic execution. Futuristic companies like Tesla and MicroStrategy have already used Coinbase's comprehensive investing platform to execute some of the largest trades in the industry. Build a unified investment portfolio with one of the most trusted names in crypto. Learn more by visiting coinbase.com prime to get started today. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com now. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the world. The headache of supply chain issues that have not only snarled global markets, but mining companies specifically probably is only going to get worse with the issues unfolding right now in Ukraine. Walk us through how the supply chain has maybe made business difficult for you guys. It's adding maybe a level of complexity. You, you don't need to just worry about getting capex to be really low but you also have to worry about the supplies you need getting to you the machines right. getting to you right yeah and not just machines you know especially with the the um we manufacture our own containers and handle the electrical work and all that and so there's a lot of components to go in there that um also get impacted by the supply chain issues and uh, they can heavily impact your timing. And, and when you got groups, especially oil and gas companies, they have very tight type, uh, timelines where they got to bring wells online. Um, they need stuff in a certain time frame. Otherwise, you can cause them some serious problems by not being able to get their wells online. And so, yeah, that's a major problem. Um, and it's also a problem with the transformers as well. So the, the on-grid stuff that you're looking at. We've seen wait times for transformers right now from 30 to 50 plus weeks. And What's the normal wait time there? Uh, I, I want to say about 35 weeks is probably pretty normal. And that's a long time. I mean, that, that's a long time. And so when you're talking about these projects that are impacted so much by the Bitcoin price movement, I mean, trying to forecast what the Bitcoin price is going to be six, seven months from now is very difficult. And uh, I mean, this is the... Big question when I would speak. Well, we haven't had that many miners on the show, but we've talked with the sort of capital market participants who look at the mining industry for insight into where the industry as a whole might go. If miners do bad, that has downstream effects on the entire market. But price is, is kind of the main thing we think about. Um, at least in 2020, this was the core element. If Bitcoin is above X, miners are profitable. If it's below X, then they're not. Now you have, it seems, a whole slew of new issues, including supply chain, 
but also mounting oil costs as well. Mm-hmm. Is there, I mean, is that, does that sum it up? No, it's very two very big things. But in addition to that, you got the difficulty factor and um, that is growing very rapidly. And so uh, when you factor that, that's probably the biggest difference with oil and gas business model and, and Bitcoin mining business model is the difficulty factor because it's outside of your control. Um, and it has a lot to do with uh, your competitors. And every time they bring more stuff online, it hurts your ability uh, to earn the same amount of revenue in Bitcoin from what you were doing previously. So you're constantly trying to replace this gap, which also brings more mining online. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's I guess it is still similar because you still deal with more drilling, more wells results in more production, which can drive down the uh, cost of a barrel. Mm. Right. So uh, I guess it's still similar in that regard. But but yeah, that all those things converge to cause difficulty for mining groups like us and, and throw another level of complexity in there. So that's where I think, you know, like my business partner, Ryan, he's, he's one of the most creative uh, and innovative guys that you're going to meet. And um, I'm glad he's on our team because he has continued to find new ways to kind of come up with a new product that is going to really take advantage of other opportunities within the oil and gas space that, might not be as they actually might thrive during times of high oil prices because what happens during times of high oil prices is you're going to drill more wells well there's going to be more spare capacity on drilling rigs there's going to be um, more opportunities with gas hitting the market because there's so much associated gas with the oil production so then that will also drive more opportunities for groups like us to find flare sites or to find you know just groups that want to buy your product and not even have you manage it. They just want to buy it and they'll manage it themselves. Midstream groups, they might not be able to get uh, lines tied into well sites as fast because there's just more well sites coming online. And so they need a group like us to be able to bring our product out to mitigate that flare and allow that customer that the midstream group has an obligation to, to continue to produce their oil while they wait for the gas line to get tied in. So it, it hurts and it helps as long as it helps as if, if you know the oil and gas business, because then you're going to know where to target things. So what's your expectation for the rest of the year if uncertainty still remains in the market? Mm-hmm. What does it mean for miners? Well, I think, it, I think it's going to depend heavily on what your operating cost is, what your power cost is. Like, again, our West Texas site, we're going to be at about an average cost over the lifetime of that deal of about you know 1.8, 1.9 cents a kilowatt hour. That puts us in the most competitive range of mining that we could get. And so it gives us um, a little, you know, safety net that like, even if the hash rate climbs tremendously, we're probably going to be one of the last groups that have to turn our stuff off. And so, we can get continue to generate revenue to keep the lights on. Um, but if you're not prepared to kind of go through that that winter, that dark time, I, yeah, I foresee a problem at the end of the year. I, I do foresee some issues where groups that have kind of overextended and committed, you know, themselves to a eight, nine, 10 cents a kilowatt hour kind of cost for mining, uh, they could get hit real hard. Now, I hope Bitcoin price appreciates tremendously, but 
hope is not a good business model and uh, or business strategy. And so uh, we're trying to prepare right now for some really dark times because that could very well happen. Um, I don't want to scare people, but it's a reality. And coming from the oil and gas space, we've seen it a million times. Yeah. I mean, we used to say a lot that the industry, this industry is not for the faint of heart, but I guess the same can be said of oil and gas. It certainly wasn't for the faint of heart back in April 2020. Were you in the industry back then or were you in crypto? I was in oil and gas industry. What was that like just watching? I mean, this is an interesting phenomenon, right? I mean, people wanted to, you had to pay people to store your gasoline, your oil, because Mm -hmm. no one wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say it hit negative $43 a barrel at one point. And, um, and to top that off, it, it was right after, you know, the shutdowns occurred. And so everybody's sitting at home and, you know, I had even, I had shaved a mustache to look like yours. I was just, you know, I was letting my hair grow out and I, I didn't have to go anywhere. I had a big old mustache, but all I could do was watch the the uh, computer all day long as the price dropped. And I mean, we had we had group texts going amongst everybody at all these different companies. We're all you know, it's a small industry, just like Bitcoin uh, mining, and we're all on these text messages, just texting each other about how horrible this is, and we're all going to be looking for jobs. And and uh, so yeah, I mean, w- we've been through these really dark times, and like I said earlier, that's what really kind of spurred me to look into this on a much, you know, more kind of serious in a much more serious manner and decide if this was something I wanted to do and go after. And that, and in addition to turning 40, I was like, man, I'm getting too old to take any risks later on. I better do it if I'm going to do it. But yeah, it's, we, we've came from this kind of volatile world and we've seen things be terrible. And that's what gives us the, you know, the constant paranoia to be prepared for a disaster to happen. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> always, always staying vigilant. Yeah. So you guys are kind of involved to an extent with what's going on in El Salvador. They want to do volcano mining. Yeah. Have I mean, when I heard that, that sounded like something out of a, a science fiction novel <laughs> or worse. <laughs> Is extracting energy from a volcano, is that commonplace or is this some newfound scheme? Some scatterbrain idea? No, yeah. it's not a scatterbrain idea. It's actually geothermal is kind of the technical term, right? And I that see, is, I see. Yeah, that is, that is not unheard of at all. That is actually, it's very similar uh, to oil and gas in that you're drilling holes to collect steam to power the uh, the turbines or the gensets or whatever instead of gas. Um, so it requires geology and it requires, uh, you know, operational experience from drilling holes and all that. Um, so it, it is actually very similar and they also have an abundance of solar, obviously with the, the sunshine, the beautiful sunshine that's down there. And they also uh, have some hydro opportunities as well. And so, uh, the benefit of doing those type of projects down there is that, the, the country obviously went through a civil war from, I believe, 1980 to 1992. And so um, there's obviously not a lot of development that went on during that time frame. And so I do think that they are uh, trying to play catch up right now to the rest of some of the Central American com- countries like 
Costa Rica. Um, but I, you know, being down there, I just got back Monday actually, and seeing the excitement that was really in the air down there for the changes and for what President Kelly has done and uh, the implementation of Bitcoin and just the, the, I think they're proposed 52 new laws that deal with like tax incentives, citizenship opportunities, and, and basically really trying to incentivize business to move down there. Um, there feels like there's a lot of hope down in that area. And I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And we were asked to go down there by the ambassador, uh, Ambassador Mayorga from, she was, she was in DC. I was out there a couple of weeks ago and got the chance to meet with them. And they invited us out uh, after that meeting and took us around and showed us where they're wanting to build Bitcoin City, took us to Bitcoin Beach and uh, really kind of showed us and talked to us about what a lot of their plans are to bring business in. And you get into this situation in a country like that where you have a chicken or the egg issue about where do we want development to happen and how are we going to get development to happen if there's no power out there? And so when we explained how we put our stuff together in Wyoming and basically built our own little power grid out there to run, you know, what could basically run 5,000 homes in, in uh, the U S I think it just kind of clicked with them. They realized that we could do the same thing down down there for them, utilizing geothermal solar and some other, other different opportunities to, to build out grid infrastructure and use Bitcoin mining to allow them to generate some revenue immediately where normally they'd be putting capital into grid infrastructure, but not have anybody to generate any revenue off of yet. And in, that's a bad investment for them, obviously. And so um, I think they realize that this is a good solution. So we are talking to them about uh, how, to, how to work together and, and build that out. So is this a plan that you think will be successful? Do you imagine a sizable amount of hash rate moving to El Salvador? I think it can, um, but I think I think Texas and Wyoming and the U.S. in general are going to dominate Bitcoin mining. And that's just a result of what? Lower costs? Or yeah, lower costs. Lower costs of energy? Yeah, and Texas has the ERCOT market, which is basically an unregulated power market, which allows uh, you know a lot of innovation and people to come in and take advantage of these lo- very, very low cost um, you know, capital projects and that you don't get that everywhere else. Like most of the other States, it's hard to compete with the cost of that Texas can give you on ERCOT. Mm. Um, but I know Wyoming in particular is being very aggressive to bring more mining into their state as well. And I think just knowing how I I'm a huge fan of Senator Lummis and a huge fan of like Tyler, Tyler Lindholm and Brandon names and all the guys over there at her, at her office and they are very, very, very forward thinking and aggressive about, look, we want to be the mining capital and we're going to do everything in our power to incentivize miners to come to our state. And so they are working with utilities and they're working with their state legislators and, and governor to find ways to continue to make Wyoming more competitive with the on-grid substation power um, to be, you know, compete with Texas. So I, I have every confidence that they're going to do that. And you know, the, the things in Central America, you're always going to run into issues with uh, people being concerned about putting their capital into a foreign yeah. country. 
So I, it's a bit more risky. It's a bit right. more risky. I'd be remiss right. if I didn't ask about Bitcoin beach. Oh, that just gosh. sounds, that sounds either like a paradise or the worst possible place on earth. It's the, it's paradise. It's beautiful. It was incredible. I didn't want to leave. It was, I, <laughs> we, we went to a restaurant over there too. Right. And we had four stuffed shrimp stuffed lobsters Big old thing of sangria that was delicious, and two enormous things of ceviche that was probably the best ceviche I've ever had in my life. Take a guess how much this was. Uh, seven dollars. Thirty-eight bucks, man. It was it, it, seven dollars would have been just mind blowing, but thirty-eight bucks for that, and and the view was incredible. I wish this was video. I could, I'll send you the video or the pictures I took. It was. Unbelievable, man. I, I, uh, it was black sand and just the water was perfect. There's rocks, there's waves. It's the, it, it was on unreal. One of the prettiest places I've ever been. And the view of Bitcoin City from the volcano. So Bitcoin City is real. It, it is going to be real. It's going to be real. And it's, is the economy going to revolve around mining? I hope it does. I hope it does because what I, what we propose to them is really, look, we want to come down there and create jobs for your your country. And we want you to we want to develop some vocation programs where we can go into the schools and you're training kids to, you know, on the construction of containers, electrical work, things like that. Um, so I, I do want it to revolve around that or at least have that be a major part, because the the true way to really change you know, give people hope from places like that is to give them jobs and responsibility. And and I don't want it to all be from foreigners just moving in and bringing money and, and, you know, building stuff up. There's a lot of skepticism around that, around sort of, you know, it looks like to some people predatory in a sense, right? Trying to take advantage of low costs of human capital or whatever it is. I mean, there's a lot of confusion too. There's a lot of confusion about exactly what's going to transpire there, the role of different industry players, but you're buying into it. You think that there could be some potential to do good for the lives of people there. I read somewhere that tourism has really ticked up in El Salvador since they announced their Bitcoin buy. So it seems like it seems like it is having some sort of impact in this nascent stage. Mm-hmm. I think so. But like you said, man, everything in our in history, just look at human behavior in history. It all boils down to choices for people to do the right thing. And I, I can only speak for myself and, and our company, but it's very important to me. Um, you know, my, my mom's side is Native American and... You know, I've seen reservations and the lack of hope that are on a lot of those. And I want to work with reservations to do the same thing. I want to set up places on the reservation where jobs are created and they stay on the reservation. And we just turn it over to them because that's that's what they need. They need to be able to get into jobs that are on the uh, upswing instead of always having to chase, you know, uh, chase an industry or be the ones that are getting exploited. They need to be the ones doing it. And taking it into their own hands because no one's going to care about their country as much as they do. And so if you can change the the hope 
that they have for, you know, a future and get them involved on things that are exciting and new. And I mean, this industry is booming. Everybody wants to get into crypto in some way. And, you know, I don't like calling Bitcoin crypto, but you know what I mean? It's, it's everybody wants in. And so I want to help bring that to them in, in a way to where their people are benefiting off of it and their country benefits off it. And not just guys like me from outside coming in and profiting off of it and then taking everything back to the U.S. A lot of that needs to stay there. Obviously, we have to be able to make enough to have a business. But, you know, I want I personally and granted, you know, everybody can just blow it off if they want. But I personally can only speak for myself. That is not who I am. And I will not be a part of that. Like I I want it to be good for El Salvador. I want reservations in the U.S. to realize the potential that this type of thing has for them, a way for them to take some uh, financial resources back in, into the, their own house and uh, keep it within the reservation and and teach uh, their kids that this is a this, these are jobs you can get into and they're jobs that are staying on the reservation or in El Salvador or in Guatemala because I think it's going to explode. I think it's going to I think it's going to just go spread all throughout Central America and South America. And I want to see those things stay and help help build the economies of those countries. Just possibly the first domino to fall. Yeah. We shall see. I hope so. It's pretty interesting. Well, Justin, I want to thank you so much for stopping by the show to chat with us today. It's a complex topic. It's becoming more relevant in the United States, given the increase in the number of companies, I feel like every day I learn about a new firm operating in the mining space here in the States. And all it took yeah. was a government thousands of miles away to ban it for that to happen. Funny how that yeah. works. Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting. So many of the things we talked about, but especially this convergence of oil and gas and mining, I wonder if one day every oil and gas company might have some sort of Bitcoin unit within them or operation. It seems to be the direction in which we're heading. And as that continues, we'll definitely have to get you back on the show. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And I agree with you. I think that's that's in the works and that's going to happen. But thank you very much for having me. And we uh, we appreciate it. And yeah, anytime you guys want to talk, I'm I'm always down. Sounds super cool. And maybe we'll see you at Bitcoin Beach. Oh, you? yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'm talking about trying to get, I want to work with them and see if we can get a Bitcoin meetup going down there, maybe once every six months or something. The sangria sounds good. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an amazing day.